sound like Lucille Ball or something. <laughs> How you doing, doll? <laughs> Today is Tuesday, November 7th, 2017. Time for episode 34 of the Barnhart Podcast. Rather than some semi-pithy opening, I want to read an email from a supporter of the podcast named Adam. Quote, seems like when you mention doing more shows a week, the opposite has taken place. Is everything okay? Ah, yes. I mentioned in a previous podcast that we seem to jinx ourselves whenever we predict that a show is going to be scheduled on a particular day. And whether it was me... um, overdosing on candy or my kids getting sick or whatever was happening uh, a, a series of events uh, preempted the podcast last week and at least I'm okay and to paraphrase Michael Jackson Annie are you okay <laughs> oh that's good uh, uh, I didn't see that one coming super nerd you're 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 just you're a bag of surprises when I have 10 days off I can prepare for jokes like that. <laughs> that's a good one yeah wow uh, <laughs> Um, yes, yes. All good on this end. I was just, my concern was, you know, the, the overdose on the candy, just tell me that it was, you know, the good candy, that it was the Snickers, that it was the Twix, that it was the Reese's peanut butter cups. And it wasn't one of the truly tragic candy corn overdoses, which, uh, we all kind of remember from our early childhoods. I can tell you I'm candy corn sober for about 12 years at least. And, uh, nice. I, I tend to be more snobbish and, and do dark chocolate. Uh, if it doesn't go well with red uh, wine, I'm not going to bother with it. Oh, remember the, uh, the, uh, the Hershey's miniatures and the, the special dark Hershey's miniature. I'd, I had absolutely forgotten about that. So, okay, well done. I'm glad to hear that it was a, that it was a quality candy overdose and not, uh, not a low quality candy corn or, um, old nasty taffy that was yeah. stale. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, memories of Halloween from, from childhood. Good times. And lest we forget, today is the 100th anniversary of the beginning of the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. 100 years, 100 million dead and counting under communism. And while we lament the evils of communism, I have to wonder if the murder of adults under communism, communist regimes ever had the pace at which the unborn innocents are being murdered today. Something about which we could ponder and probably go on for a while. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we're I think we're dusting. I think we're dusting the communists pretty pretty handily in our our murder and and frankly our our auto genocide of our entire race and civilization. And I didn't mention at the top we were going to do this on Mondays and call it Mailbag Monday, but I guess we can call it Talkback Tuesday. And I've got feedback sure. from another listener, uh, JDC, who sent a message via the Facebook group, which is at facebook.com/supernerdmedia. Suggesting a way of publishing Anne's website, which would be immune from censorship using a type of blockchain-based storage solution, which is globally distributed, immutable, etc. Kind of a cool idea, and it reminds me of the folks at IPFS.io who are wanting to do something like this. And I mention it because I'm still working on some what-if scenarios. What if Anne's site is targeted for permanent takedown, then what? Uh, If the people causing trouble are the same kinds of trolls who made the bogus copyright claims, then we'll just move to another web server and, and probably a more expensive one. Uh, probably a provider that has the really neat feature where you can dial a phone number and, and actually get a human uh, responding. Those people tend to be pretty clued in about fake requests. Um, but the point is, w- there are contingency plans that we're, that I'm thinking about. Um, hopefully, we won't have to invoke them anytime soon. I'm still looking for somebody who is either in Hungary or uh, one of the Visegrad group countries, which is uh, Poland, Czechoslovakia, and the, the traditional Catholic bloc there in the central of Europe. 
if there's anybody there who knows of a pro-Catholic or even just pro-Christian uh, hosting company who's willing to do um, something that is specifically not going to bow to somebody um, trying to take down content of, of, of just spreading the truth, let me know about that. We're still working on some uh, contingency plans in that regard. Uh, have you heard anything from anybody in your context, any Central European super duper nerds wanting to help out with such a project, Dan? No, I've not heard anything. Um, so, again, just reiterating what Super Nerd said, we we need to, all of us need to be thinking in advance and preparing in advance and not sitting around and waiting until, until some attack actually happens, which kind of segues us into, you know, once again, the shooting, another, this, this church shooting that just happened, this clearly crazy person. And, you know, it was a little teeny tiny church, but, and we just, I, what, what podcast was it, Super Nerd, that we talked about all of the, um, you know, church security, it, it can't be that long ago. It, it and, must be one of 30, 31, 32, something it was like within that. Within the last two or three, and that was my next point to get into. Yeah. That was the item in the last couple of days. And uh, I got an emailer, uh, MF, who, and this just, that's the initials of the emailer, pointed out a story mm. on the Rorate Chaley blog. And yes, you can get there by typing rorate.org in your web browser of choice that mentioned that this happened in the, in the Catholic Archdiocese of uh, San Antonio. And that if you were a law-abiding citizen at a Catholic church, even though this happened at a Protestant building, but if you were a law-abiding citizen in a Catholic church and this had happened there, uh, according to a memo that was sent out from the Archdiocese on February 1st, 2016, and a shooting started taking place, you would either have to sit there and watch the massacre take place or try to stop the attacker with your bare hands. Because according to that memo, quote, it is the policy of the Archdiocese of San Antonio that an individual may not possess a firearm concealed or openly carried at any facility owned, leased, or operated by the Archdiocese or an Archdiocese entity. And the Rorate article points out that a shooting at a Protestant building in Tennessee just last month was stopped by a law-abiding, gun-carrying man who happened to be present. Yeah, absolute nonsense. An unjust law is no law at all. You have you have the right and the duty to defend yourself and to defend your family and your community. If there's a if there's a sign hanging like that in your church or really anywhere, but especially in your church, disregard that law, continue to keep conceal carry do it without any hesitation whatsoever. Those those signs with the, you know, this is a gun-free zone, all those basically say is, hey, crazy, schizophrenic, um, rage monster, maybe on maybe on these wild antidepressant drugs, 24-year-old. Here, come here and and execute your um you know suicide by cop um going out in a blaze of glory, which is clearly what this uh this Air Force guy I don't, don't even bother saying these saying these guys' names because they that's that's what they wanted you know they wanted us all to be sitting around and talking about them they're they're just pathetic I mean this guy this guy had fractured his fractured a baby's skull the Air Force didn't do their job he was tried and dishonorably discharged I think he was dishonorably discharged he was incarcerated in fact I think by the Air Force for, for a domestic dispute which yeah which yeah. is an automatic disqualifying uh, item for even being able to buy a firearm legally yep so you know oh we need more gun laws no 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 we we have more more than enough gun laws the problem is is that 
shock of shocks, the bureaucracy doesn't work. Well, the, the solution to that isn't more laws. The solution to that is, how about, A, we let people carry and defend themselves and, in fact, encourage people to carry and defend themselves. Well, okay, I'll do that. I encourage everybody listening to this to get training and to start concealed carrying. And Legally, of course. I mean, follow legally. your state and local laws. Uh, there, there are laws to follow on this. And, and with regard to this, Archdiocese of San Antonio memo, if you are a uh, lawfully licensed concealed carry carrier, uh, anytime you see a sign at the, at the entrance of a building or, or a business or whatever that, that has the, the little silhouette of a, of a gun with a line through it and a, and a red circle, even if it looks like a Beretta and you happen to carry a Glock, you still can't carry your, your weapon of choice with you. Uh, and you have to follow the, those signs. So it, uh, even, even though, no, uh, you, I, I just, you know, I just said the opposite. If so, if somebody hangs up legally a sign speaking, like that, legally speaking, in, in, well, legally, legally speaking, and you know, you, it's a, it's a calculated risk. It, it is absolutely a calculated risk. But if somebody has a sign like that hung up in your parish or, or whatever, um, my advice to you is that if you're concealed carrying, just go on concealed carrying. Um, it, it's what's going to happen. I mean, if if somebody comes in and starts spraying, at that point, are you going to be sitting there agonizing over whether or not, well, should should I should I draw and start returning fire at this guy because there's one of those signs out in the front vestibule of the church that the likely sodomite apostate bishop insisted upon hanging out there? Oh, I might get in trouble. No, I I. I I have concealed carried into places with with signs like that up. I've never, of course, gone through a, a metal detector or any sort of a thing like that. So, for example, like when I would go to the courthouse or whatever, I would I would have to leave the leave the uh, weapon system in the vehicle or leave it at home. But in terms of you know going going into church and you've got some. BS sign that's been hung up saying this is a gun-free zone and we're a peaceful people here. Well, you know, Bishop Bishop uh, Fatty McButterpants, um, he he can shove it as far as I'm concerned. People have the right to defend themselves. I have concealed carried, for example, into movie theaters many times, and movie theaters all have those. St- stupid signs up. Um, yeah, I don't care. It's, it's a calculated risk in this day and age. And uh, speaking for myself, that's, that's what I did. Just, I wouldn't, like I said, you don't go through a, you don't go through a metal detector or something like that. Cause you're, you're going to get snagged and you're going to be in trouble if you do that. Use your brain. But, um, yeah, in terms of these big open spaces, these places that these rage monster psychopath, usually young men, target to execute their their suicide and glory plan. No way, man. I'm carrying in there every time. Well, and this gets into a, a topic. I think we talked about it before, or maybe I'm confusing this with another podcast I was listening to, that uh, in any invalid or in any immoral law uh, is is no valid law at all and and when you have a civil law which contradicts natural law the mm-hmm. natural law wins and we all have the right to life i mean the whole idea of why we fight abortion it's not just because uh, we're fighting for the, the 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 immortal soul 
of the unborn person, but because we all have a right to life. This is something that comes from the natural law. And part of that, mm-hmm. part of that right is the ability to defend your life. So that's, that's why gun laws exist. Uh, that's what they ought to exist in a proper society. And it's kind of amazing in a, in a Masonic society like we have, uh, at least given the Masonic foundation of this country, that such uh, an obvious manifestation of the natural law made it into our uh, constitution. But this is something which stems from the natural law. And anytime the natural law and anything opposed to the natural law or, natural law or subservient to it is in contradiction to it, the natural law wins. And of course, obviously, uh, the natural law and God, divine positive law don't contradict each other. But I think we've had this discussion before that when you have these contravening points, well, what's the higher moral authority? Natural law wins against, uh, against the civil uh, legislatures. Exactly. And, you know, the, the further we descend and the further, the further the country descends, the more one realizes that our country was not founded as a Christian country with these little threads and little points of Freemasonry kind of sewn into it and sabotaged. It was founded as a Freemasonic um, entity with little points of Christianity sewn into it. You know, um, it's exactly the opposite. And the more the more we descend, and the more the the you know the curtain is pulled back on all of this, the more you realize how truly inverted and how you know we've we just assumed we just assumed that it was that it was founded as a as a largely Christian. Um, or people sometimes use the term Judeo-Christian, which I think we need to move away from. But it was founded largely as a. We think it was founded as a Christian as a Christian entity, and it's exactly the opposite. It was found. It was founded as a Freemasonic entity, and it just had enough of these little little points of Christianity in it to keep people from realizing what exactly it was. So I'm kind of glad you mentioned that. Well, maybe a good thought experiment to explain this is at least where when I went through high school, we had in our American government class, a, an exercise where you had to form into groups of four or five people and draft a new constitution or, or a new form of government. And I went to a Catholic high school. And so we were you know, traditional Catholic at that. So we were, were very much not in the mainstream of culture, but even then we would come up with ideas that very much look like, in some cases, separation of church and state. That's not because we believe mm-hmm. in that. It's because we came out of this. Uh, we, we all grew up in this country, which definitely has this as, as one of its air quotes, uh, sacred principles. So the mm-hmm. idea that you have these dyed in the wool atheists, or not atheists, well, pro- maybe <laughs> dyed in the wool um, um, masons that have these sprinklings of, of Christianity through some of their things, it's kind of that that idea. It's not that they wanted to have Christian ideas in there. It's just that's the culture they were in that was yeah, dominantly they, Christian. They so they couldn't, they couldn't eradicate it because they would have had a full-blown revolt on their hands. That's exactly right. Because even then, even, even in Protestant Christianity, there was such an expectation of people having to publicly manifest Christianity they were deists at best, okay? They were deists at best, and most of them were hardcore Freemasons who believed in in exactly what Freemasonry is. It's the deification of man. Jefferson was one of the worst. Jefferson, you know, wrote his, he took the Gospels and edited out absolutely 
everything out of the Gospels that had any reference to or or showed any manifestation of the supernatural, of the divinity of Christ, um, anything. And that was the gospel that he used. So he just edited everything out and turned it into this kind of this Freemasonic philosophical tome is what you're basically left with. These guys were not in any way believing Christians. No way. No way. But up until just a few decades ago, the expectation was so intense in society that you had to manifest that that you were Christian. I'll give you an example. Um, I was told stories about my my grandparents. Now, I've I've said before that generations in my family tend to be very widely spaced, you know, 40, sometimes 45 years. So we're going back into, uh, you know, the pre-war, pre-World War II era. And, um, you know, they were they were just nominally practicing uh Protestants, and I, I don't know. I think probably the church that they went to was maybe Methodist. It, it just whatever whatever was there, whatever was close. And so there's a story about how my my grandmother had hung the washout on the clothesline, and there was washout hanging on the clothesline, and it was and it was left there on a Sunday. And someone came driving up the road and driving up the driveway on on Sunday after presumably, you know, after church around lunchtime unannounced. And they saw this car driving up and kicking up dust. And you could see it coming for a while at the, at the farmstead. And my grandmother just hauling into the into the backyard just desperately tearing the clothes down off of the clothesline because you couldn't be seen to be doing any sort of work. Even having clothes on the clothesline was considered, you know, breaking the commandment of not keeping the Sabbath holy. Even that, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? I mean, think of think of all the all the things we do. I mean, I do I put I put clothes in the washing machine oftentimes on on Sunday afternoons, not unheard of at all. You know, cleaning up around the kitchen. If if I'm not doing anything on a Sunday afternoon, sometimes I'll take that opportunity to clean around the house a little bit or, you know, run the vacuum cleaner or whatever. We do these things and we, you know, we claim to be the the super docs trads and all that and um these people who were these just practicing to maintain practicing christianity just to maintain appearances basically um and i i don't want to impugn you know my my relatives that they that they didn't that they didn't believe in our lord and all of that um i i don't know it's it's a question as a convert that you know come comes to the forefront of your mind a lot and this is somewhere where where super nerd and i are are completely different because basically everyone i am related to going all the way back to the protestant revolt both um the henry the eighth anglican revolt and in germany the lutheran revolt my genetic ancestors going all the way back to those two revolts are all Protestant. And so, you know, everybody that I'm 
related to basically by blood. Um, They're all, they're all Protestant and it, it, it doesn't bode well, you know, you still pray for them, but, um, the notion that I, I can't I can't honestly say that any of the people that I am related to who who are dead, um, I can't honestly say that I have any sort of, you know, firm, confident hope um, that that they made it through their particular judgments because they died outside the church. And a lot of them, I mean, you can tell by their life and so on and so forth that it wasn't you know, the faith wasn't, wasn't a huge deal. And certainly they, they were heretics if they had the belief, you know, whereas super nerd, your, your family on both sides all the way back is, um, is Catholic, is it not? I've only been around for, um, a while. (laughs) I don't know how far back it goes. Uh, certainly a few generations at least, but, uh, I I don't know exactly how far back it goes, but, uh, I, I did not grow up in a Protestant household. I just grew up yeah. in a Protestant country. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, go, but going back to the original point about how intense, up until the middle of the 20th century, there was this intense societal pressure on people to to at least externally manifest Christianity, and that's what was going on when when the United States was founded, when these documents were being written, um, lit, lip service had to be paid. It absolutely had to be paid. And that's why this Freemasonic construct held on for, you know, 235 years or however, however long history judges that, that the United States, you know, ma- maintained and, and stayed intact until it fell apart. Um, it's, it's only because there was this intense, um, there was Christianity manifested manifested in the culture, um, and so that it, it, it's it's like thinking of um, like if a jumbo jet loses its engines, you know, if you've got a seven forty seven that's at thirty nine thousand feet, cruising at five hundred and eighty miles an hour or whatever it is, and all of the engines cut, well, you've got a huge glide ratio that that it's not going to just fall like a rock straight down. There is a glide ratio there. And that's what the former United States, it it had enough of a, of a, it was, it was enough, there was enough of a connection to Christianity that even though it was a Freemasonic construct, that it was able to cruise for 230 some odd years and now, only now, is it getting to the point where either it has crashed or it's getting ready to crash or whatever it is, you know. But uh, it's, it seems pretty clear to me that it's, it's not going to make it to the airport. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Let's put it that way. Well, unless that was the whole design all along. And, and again, we're talking about a country that was designed by Freemasons. And maybe this is the plan. I, mean, I know you like to use the term former United States and... I understand exactly what you mean by that, but then again, maybe this was the design all along. But I want to get back to the point uh, that we were talking about with the church shooting. Um, we've heard many times when we have um, somebody who is nominally right-wing do something violent that's automatically considered a hate crime. The guy who did this shooting down in Texas is a known atheist who was yelling about the 
the believing people. Why isn't this being called a hate crime? I mean, I know exactly why, but why this should be called a hate crime. And yet nobody wants to talk about this. Well, of course, it doesn't match the narrative. Not only was he a militant atheist, he was, um, didn't he have um, Antifa stuff on his Facebook page and all that? Didn't they pull that up? I have, haven't I seen th- that, but I would not be one bit surprised. I, I, I yeah. remember seeing an article recently, including the um, alleged uh, Las Vegas shooter, that the last five or six or ten, I forget how many it was, uh, mass shooters in the United States, they're all leftists. There hasn't been a right-wing shooter in the United States for a long time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and it, they're again, they're just going to keep doing this and doing this and doing this. You know, it's it's just the big lie. Just keep telling lies. Just keep pounding. Um, you know, the same thing when there are what was what there's been a recent Musloid attack, and somebody and somebody was saying, well. It wasn't. It wasn't a Muslim. It was, you know, somebody was, you know, screaming Alu Akbar. I can't even keep that was track a anymore. Truck bomb or a truck driving over people in New York, wasn't it? Yeah, the truck driving. Yes, the truck running over people in Manhattan. The guy's screaming Alu Akbar. And somebody went on, I think it was MSNBC, and said, no, it wasn't a Muslim. It, this this could have been a, a, a Catholic. And you're just like, what, what what are these people talking about? But then, I mean, it's so irrational. They know all they have to do is they can go out and they can tell any lie, any lie. And this goes back to Hitler and the big lie. And it goes back to speaking of the Russian Revolution and all that. Lenin, Stalin, they all live by this credo that if you just keep telling a lie, over and over again. And the bigger the lie, the better. I think I think that's Hitler who said the bigger the lie, the better. Just keep saying it, the bigger the better. And, you know, a goodly portion of the populace will, will believe you, not in agreement, are completely on board. And, you know, with this millennial generation now, as far gone as they are, these young people, that they will believe anything, they are utterly incapable of rational, logical thought, objective evidence, objective truth means nothing to them. And so you can, all you have to do is turn on television and these people can say pretty much anything and uh, fully half the populace will sit there and nod in agreement. And it, and you can't reason with them. You can't show them evidence. There's, there's just nothing there. There's nothing there. And that's, that's what's really so frightening about the situation is, you know, when you get to the point where there just isn't any more talking to be done, where you cannot talk and reason there's, there's no with people at all. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't reason with people. Well, what what's next beyond that? And now circling back to where we started with, you know, the concepts of self-defense and so forth. Um, it, it, it descends into that so very, very, very quickly. And frankly, I'm surprised that it, it hasn't it, that it hasn't already descended into um into more violence than, than is already being manifested. It seems to me that, you know, it's just, it's just a pot that's just getting ready to boil over, you know, just getting ready to topple over the edge. And it's just any day now that these, especially the young people who have no moral break, who have, 
who and who honestly think that they're 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 doing the world a favor and that they will be doing the world a favor to just get rid of and by get rid of I mean kill I mean openly kill people who will not kowtow to their to their insane worldview. And on top of that, not only are can you not reason with the millennials <laughs> who could be some of the most violent people out there, but we're also descending not only to a, 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 an age of mind drop, but also just open abject Satanism in some cases too. I mean, we're kind of jumping all over the place in topics here, but it, it's, no, it's a combination of all up. kinds of things, really. Well, that's Father Ripperger. And I made it, what was the post I made the other day in which I referenced Father Ripperger and the generational spirits and, you know, World War One was the spirit of incommunication. They didn't they didn't pass the faith on, especially with regards to suffering. And they just did the the English Protestant oh, stiff upper lip. Don't complain. Don't say anything. So then the World War Two generation, um, they they resented suffering. And so they thought to themselves, we're going to make sure that our children never, ever, ever suffer because no one ever taught them that, you know, suffering could be redemptive and good and so on and so forth. So when you wonder um, about why the, the um, baby boomers are all a bunch of spoiled brats, that's why. Exactly. Because they were coddled. Um, they were coddled and spoiled by the quote unquote greatest generation. Yes, the greatest generation went off and fought World War II and did all that, but they they dropped the ball the most in the most utterly catastrophic way, probably in in the previous two thousand years in terms of raising their children. In fact, I mean, to, and to it's call obvious. them the, to call them the greatest generation is is communist doublespeak almost at its best. And this circles back to something we mentioned in the last show that one of the reasons we may have never seen a communist revolution in the United States is because it was never necessary. The people who had yep. that mindset had the ability to mold the minds of the young. So the point when you have Tom Brokaw saying that the World War II generation was the greatest generation, Father Ripperger makes the point in his in his talk, and we'll link to this in, in the show notes, uh, his talk mm -hmm. about the generational spirits. He refers to them as the worst generation because of the yep. children they raised. Yep. Look at look at the the disgustingness of the hippies and and beyond that, not just looking, you know, one step removed, one degree of separation from the the World War Two generation itself. Consider what they themselves did. They are the ones who sat there and watched and actually executed the the catastrophic um destruction of the church in the middle of the 20th century they either actively did it themselves it was their generation or they sat there and watched it happen and said not a word and they were the people they were the adults in in the position of control when all that happened in the 1960s okay so then you have the hippies the the baby boomer boomer generation and their demonic spirit of oppression is indocility and that's really interesting because a lot of people um who are younger than that generation um like us we, I think a lot of people don't understand that this whole phenomenon of, of hating your parents 
just as a matter of course. Oh, that's that's just part of growing up. You 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 become a teenager and you just you you hate your parents and you rebel against your parents. No, that is a completely new thing. The whole notion that um, and this is another interesting thing that came about in about 1954 um, with the advent of rock and roll is the notion that there is, you know, music and culture for adolescents and teenagers that is completely separate from their parents. Up until 1954, everybody, adults of all ages and children, they all listened to the same music. They all had the same culture. There wasn't the and that brief interruption was brought by Windows 7. Uh, my machine that uh, runs Skype decided to act haywire and the recording dropped. So we were talking about uh, the kids of the 1950s, 1960s having the same music, same culture, same everything. Or up to that yeah. point having the same. But this was the first time they had their own. They had their own. And that's all a construct. And, and a lot of people think that it, that it was actually a plot that w- came out of communism. Communism is all about destroying the family, driving wedges between people, and certainly between driving a wedge between children and their parents. And so, yeah, remember, there was no – the notion of adolescence itself, there there was no such thing, man. You were a kid until you were about 13, and then you were an adult. And that's just how it was. And that – I mean, think about this. This harkens all the way back into the Old Testament. When When is the Jewish bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah for the boys and girls? Age 13, you're an adult in the eyes of God. Um, and so there just wasn't this this segregation and this ghettoizing of of young people, and certainly not not the rebellion against the parents. So anybody who wants to, you know, very rightly and very fairly critique the entire the entire rock and roll phenomenon and the advent of rock and roll in 1954. That's kind of the big thing right there is that it was it was it seems to me initially designed to drive a wedge between between the generations. Um, and so then you've got this spirit of indocility with the children of the baby boomers or excuse me, with the children of the greatest generation who are the baby boomers, their spirit of demonic oppression was that of indocility and rebellion. And so their parents executed and or and or sat by and watched in the mid 1960s when the attack was made on the church, the Novus Ordo was promulgated, et cetera, et cetera. And then the uh, baby boomers just jumped on that bandwagon whole hog. Why? Because it was all about the spirit of rebellion. So then they have my generation, our generation, which is called Generation X. And um, our spirit is, of course, da 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 da, narcissism. I mean, it's just a, it's a it's a generation of narcissists that goes without saying, and everything that goes along with that, the lovelessness, the self absorption, et cetera, et cetera. But where we're driving to in this train of thought is the generation beneath us, who are being called millennials, and their spirit of oppression is that of the occult, the actual worship of 
of Satan, the practice of witchcraft, and so on and so forth. And Whether I keep they telling call you that Satanism or not, or witchcraft. I mean, you've probably seen the news and the headlines of, of witches of the United States unite and cast spells at at Trump and things like that. Uh, at Trump, I've never yep. seen this before, but it's becoming more common. Yeah, I mean, Drudge has a headline like this. It seems to me almost once a week now. He had a headline a few days ago. Um, and don't bother sending emails and saying Drudge, Drudge is a sodomite. I know. I, I know Drudge is a sodomite. Uh, what, what can I tell you? It's, it's the news aggregation site that we all go and look at. And it's very influential, and it's it's a strange he's, he's thing. He's very good at, at aggregating headlines in the same sense that in your blog post you mentioned that Kevin Spacey, being a diabolical narcissist, is very good at being an actor because that's what diabolical narcissists do. They put on a fake face. But back to Drudge. Back to Drudge. Um, he had a he had a, a headline within the last week that j- that said something to effect that witches and the occult are just manifesting everywhere in 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 the culture they're just coming out of the woodwork and it's absolutely true the millennials the generation under us these kids that are like you know undergrads in college and and all of them they're they're not just militantly atheistic they are now the the pendulum has swung so far and they are so in in a weird way desperate for some sort of a religious something you know that they know that they hate christianity they've been that's been inculcated into them since since they were babies so they know they hate christianity they know that they hate our lord and savior jesus christ and certainly his holy church but they but they want something they want some sort of a cult. And so, yeah, their spirit of oppression is uh, the occult. And then you say, well, what does Father Ripperger say that the spirit of oppression is for the generation after them? And um, the answer is, is that there is no generation after them. When you get a society to the point that they are openly embracing the worship of Satan and witchcraft and all of that kind of stuff, folks, that's the end. That There is nothing after that. The society, almost by definition, will, will self-destruct, will implode somehow, some way. And it will either, it will become Muslim, it will become, or it, it will just, it will literally self-destruct so that they're, they're, everybody will be dead. Either self-destruct wait, wait. or, to borrow a phrase from Fatima, the nation will be annihilated. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist or reading of Drudge to know that this has been a problem for a while. If you are, have you, if you've, if you've read some books from from Exorcist, for example, uh, Father Gabriel Amorth uh, has wrote several books about this, and he pointed out close to his death that I think he's dead, or am I thinking yes, of somebody else? Mm-hmm. Okay, Amorth uh, is dead. Yeah. Yes, that that the 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 need for exorcism was only growing toward the end of his life. Uh, mentioned Father Ripperger three or four times. Now he is an exorcist, and so he speaks with authority on this topic. And I've heard from other yeah. priests who have similar, um, um, who do exorcism. I forget the the, the term for that. The similar um, work that they do. That this is a a rising problem. So it, this is something that's been known for a while. I mean, you didn't have to read this in Drudge to know about it. But but the point being and, is, is God looping back to Freemasonry. Um, it's it's the it's the obvious. Uh, conclusion 
of having a Freemasonic society and, and a Freemasonry in general. Because remember, what Freemasonry is, is, you know, superficially, it claims to be setting up the cult of man, where man worships himself and the cult of man. But who was it? I think it was Chesterton who said, if I'm not mistaken, if you have man thinking that he's worshiping himself, where that always, always leads inevitably is to the worship of Satan. Yeah, you either worship Christ or you worship Antichrist. And Antichrist, yeah. ultimately, you're worshiping Satan. Uh, Saint, exactly. St. Saint, Saint Augustine put it rather succinctly, you're either in the, the city of God or you're in the city of man, and the city of man is to destruction, which is to yes. hell, which is to Satan. So, Yep. Happy thoughts on a Tuesday night. Yeah, indeed, indeed. We we try to keep it light up in here. Light, light, easy, breezy podcast, yeah. I think we pretty much turned that topic into a Big Mac again. And there are a bunch of topics we could cover again, talking about uh, recent uh, blog posts on your website, um, Diabolical Narcissism, Kevin Spacey. Again, these are the topics we've talked about a lot. Um, so yeah. let's, let's just skip them from now. Let's call it a podcast for now. Let's call it a short one now, kind of get back into the flow of doing things again. Indeed, indeed, and we'll. Oh no, I'm not going to jinx anything. I'm not going to jinx anything. Um, let's see. How, uh, we yeah, will. We are or probably I'll, I'll edit it out. <laughs> we are not going to probably do another podcast for weeks and and weeks and weeks. Maybe. So, okay. I'm maybe maybe <laughs> if you if you're lucky. <laughs> uh, okay, so the email address. If you want to send questions, comments, feedback, or wondering what we're up to. You can send those email addresses to podcast at barnhart.biz. This podcast is a Super Nerd Media production. I'd like to thank recent PayPal donor Aaron, as well as PMJ, who signed up for a monthly recurring donation via PayPal. Thank you very much for your generosity. And if you would like to support this podcast project that we get around to every once in a while, you can find more information at supernerdmedia.com slash donate. Um, weekly Requiem Masses, including this week. Oh, we didn't mention that. Uh, this week, which is the week of the Holy Souls. Uh, November mm-hmm. 2nd was the Feast of All Souls. Uh, so so we have the weekly Re- Requiem Mass for all the souls who, who passed away during the previous week. For mm-hmm. the living, uh, we have Masses for Anne's, Anne's benefactors every day of the week, except Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And if you are a priest who would like to help fill that plug, please email Anne. Um, personal note, semi-personal note, uh, if you're a web designer, uh, please contact me. I mentioned on Twitter, which if you want to follow me there, twitter.com slash supernerdmedia. I'm looking for a web designer for a project on a Catholic website. Uh, it's not Anne's website. It's not even my website. But um, if you are a designer, if you know how to make sites look good, um, give me a, uh, please contact me. I don't know if this is a paying gig or not. Maybe some, maybe not. So if you're looking for market rates, I'm sorry, it's not going to be that. Um, but just thought I'd put out the word in case you know somebody. Um, other than that, uh, any parting thoughts, Anne? Um, just remember everybody to pray for Father Monday, Father Tuesday, Father Wednesday, and Father Thursday. And um, Fathers Monday and Tuesday are deployed to the Middle East, so please remember them. Um, and of course, please remember Father Requiem Mass and undying gratitude, as always, as always to one and all. Um, benefactors, supporters, prayer warriors, the whole nine yards. Don't forget the Matthew 17, 20 initiative, um, full fasting two days a week. I generally do Tuesdays and Fridays for the uh, resolution of the Bergoglio situation. And one of, I think my second to last post on the blog 
I I have a little blurb in which I added a precision. Don't forget to <laughs> if you're if you're with me on this, if you're with me on this, don't forget to pray that Pope Benedict the Sixteenth Ratzinger is publicly acknowledged to be the um, the one living Pope right now. Because even if as things accelerate, and I mean you know things are moving very quickly. Um, if something were to happen and they were to depose uh, Bergoglio for being a heretic, we'd still be in a big fat mess because if they did that, you know what they do. They'd turn around, they'd call another faux conclave, and they'd they'd elect another anti-pope. It, it isn't a complete resolution to the situation. We You should be praying always for complete truth, complete resolution – completely untie the knot don't partially untie the knot because a a partially untied knot is still a big fat knot we need the whole nine yards and it's it's important to be asking god for things that are you know congruent with objective reality and truth so i now my matthew 17 20 intention has added specifically also that um not only that bergoglio be removed and the whole anti-papacy nullified but that that Ratzinger be publicly acknowledged to have been the one true living Pope all along. It it has to be complete and total. And, you know, in terms of prayer, man, go big or go home, you know, ask, ask God to do these things because the, and the context I made the point in is this, you know, this glorious, glorious thing of watching the NFL implode. I mean, who, who saw this coming? I didn't see this coming of watching Hollywood implode. Fantastic. Um, cable TV implode before our very eyes. This rape and pedophile culture being exposed and keep it going. Keep it going. Keep the pressure on that. Um, I, I'm I don't want that that movement to lose any momentum. Maybe if we can get you know, people coming out and exposing these Hollywood monsters. Next step might be, you know, Bill Clinton, the Clintons, Bill Clinton, also a rape monster. And then, and then, uh, you know, the fondest dream is maybe this could start happening in the church and all of these priests and all of these people in Rome, in the seminaries and chanceries all over the world you know, there's thousands, if not tens of thousands of men. Um, and there's, there's many, 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 many men in Rome right now, because I've heard from them and I've talked to them face to face and over email who have been sexually, uh, propositioned, um, some of them sexually assaulted, um, by priests, bishops, cardinals, et cetera, et cetera. Dare to dream that people could start blowing the whistle. Dare to dream that people could start blowing the whistle on things that they've seen Bergoglio doing and his his raging rage monster antics that he engages in both now in the Casa Santa Marta in the Vatican and before when he lived in Buenos Aires. I mean, there's people out there. These open secret dynamics where these these criminal 
personages are engaging in these behaviors and everybody sees it and it's an open secret and everybody knows, man, it isn't just Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey and Hollywood in this. It's it's government. It's the corporate world. It's the church. These open secret dynamics are just endemic in our in our crippled, crippled society and culture. Maybe this will all lead to um, these extremely quick implosions and results of these of these edifices that it as you sit there and look at them from the outside, like the NFL. I mean, if you told me, you know, last year that the NFL was going to that that grown middle-aged American men would start swearing off and refusing to watch the NFL on Sunday, I would have told you you were nuts. I wouldn't have believed that it was possible. Wouldn't have believed that it was possible. Um, I guess maybe a year ago, we had some inkling about people, you know, cutting cable and so forth. But even then, it was more of a dynamic of, um, of, um, people moving towards like Netflix and streaming content and stuff like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a true protest against just the, the satanic crap that was being peddled on cable. And now it really is more of that. And people really are starting to rebel against Hollywood and so forth. Uh, I don't know, do what you can to keep this going, keep that conversation going. Um, and, and hopefully we can just keep the momentum going. And uh, it's just amazing to see these dynamics play out and realize that anything can happen. It can happen so quickly. And God is God and God's in control. And don't bother trying to predict any of these events because you couldn't write this. You couldn't write any of this. Um, Even the greatest fiction writer in the world could never come up with these plot lines. So just stay with it. Keep praying. Don't lose hope. And on the topic of it all going quickly, all the saints uh, keep reminding us that as long as our life seems, it is nothing but a moment in terms of eternity, and then it is either eternally with God or eternally in hell. So be prayed up, be confessed up, and, and be ready for your, for your judgment at any time. Yep, because it, it could be you who has to run at the church shooter or run at the shooter in the public space. And we talked about this a few podcasts ago. Again, you got to be ready, man, and you can't be afraid to die and you can't be hesitating and cowering in fear because, well, you know, I'm, I'm not confessed and I've lived a life of, ter- of terrible mortal sin and I'm outside the church, man. It's, it's just stupid. Get get in. Take care of that now. And that way, be ready so that if and when something happens to you, you're you're ready to charge the machine gunner. Indeed. And until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless. 